everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host Dr. Shadi Manicheri and today's episode is all about guided biofilm therapy with Celso da Costa who is the Director of Global Marketing at EMS. This episode is very kindly brought to you by EMS and now without further ado let's get into it. Hi, Celso. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me too. So it's always nice to talk with someone, someone so uh, so nice to us and make us feel comfortable even before the recording. <laughs> Excellent. Good. Before we get into this episode, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got here, please? Yeah, so I'm Celso da Costa. I'm Portuguese, uh, originally a dental hygienist. So I have done my studies as a dental hygienist in, in Portugal, Lisbon. Uh, and uh, then uh, I moved around. I also helped as an assistant professor in the University of Lisbon um, for, uh, for one year. And then I decided to, uh, to leave my country. And now it's been 12 years that I'm living in Switzerland. Uh, originally, I started as a dental hygienist. Uh, then I became a, a prophylaxis manager in the big group of clinics here in uh, in Switzerland. Uh, I've done my diploma in management and re- uh, human resources. Uh, I became consultant and a trainer for uh, EMS uh, concerning uh, guided biofilm therapy. Uh, they offered me a job <laughs> here at TMS uh, uh, three times. The first two, uh, I said no, and I laughed, and I just uh, I was happy to work as a consultant. And the third time, uh, Missy Buner, the owner and founder of EMS, uh, sold me a, a dream, a dream for changing dentistry, and then I accepted. So I joined at EMS in um, June 2020 as a GBT clinical development manager. Then I was offered uh, the position as director of uh, Swiss Dental Academy six months after. So January 2021, I became the global director of the Swiss Dental Academy. I've done my MBA in business analysis at the time. Uh, And uh, one year after, they added on top of my, my tasks, also the position as global director of marketing, dental and medical, as well as... um, uh, leader of the GBT task force. So uh, it's been uh, hard to cope, but it's been nice. In between, I've done my MBA also in digital marketing. And today we are, I'm leading the, 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 the GBT uh, area of, uh, of EMS uh, at the same time that I'm helping also the global marketing in the urology and pain therapy that we offer here at EMS. Too. So my current position, uh, I have a bunch, but the most important, Global Director of the Swiss Dental Academy and Global Director of the Marketing and Dental and Medical at EMS. Wow, so you're the person to go to if we want to know anything about GBT, basically. Uh, one-off, one-off. We have a lot of, of more here that they know a lot of GBT too. What was it like joining um, officially in the middle of the pandemic? Because June 2020, I imagine, wasn't a time where practices were focusing on investing in you know new technologies in their practice so what was it like for you it must have been very challenging that's true I, I need to say like I, I got this email by um, EMS in, in January said we need to talk about the future and I came here and I was listening for an hour and I didn't know what they were telling uh, 
telling me about. And then at the end, they offered me the position. I was like, okay, I don't know. Okay, yes. Uh, so I accepted. I went back where I was. And I said, I'm sorry, I already signed a contract, so I, I, I'm leaving. And said, no, we are not leaving. We want you. We are now to be getting through a, a pandemic, so we're going to stay. So I called EMS again. I said, do you really want me? Because everything is closed. Uh, with COVID, everything is strange. Do, do you really want to start a new position there? Uh, me to start a new position there? And said, yes, yes, we want you to come. So I, I joined the 1st of June, and the office was... Um, empty. There was only two people here. But I was coming to the office every day. So to to get culture, so I start working a lot with the with research and development department, uh, a lot with the marketing department, the the CRM department, uh, and also the sales. So it was slower, but it helped me to to touch so other other areas of expertise that I wasn't aware. Uh, and I learned with it. So I was more and more curious. So I learned also about the production, about the logistics during that time. So that, that, that six months in 2020 were so good to, to have the foundations for the, the, the roles that I, that I perform today. So I, I'm happy for the pandemic, actually. <laughs> so it was tough to change, but it was also good because it gave me the time to, to learn uh, other stuff. I guess that situation will will either make you or break you, and it sounds like it made you. So, so I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> it was difficult, but it was good. So, I personally am very interested in marketing, and I know you're the global marketing manager of EMS. So, what does that involve? What are your strategies? I know this is slightly off topic, but what are your strategies for? getting the name out there getting people to know about gbt and its benefits and all of that do you is it very much a trial and error situation or do you have a whole team working on this what what's it like i have a team with me so the most important is to have passion if we have passion uh everything is so easy so we are not selling anything we are just really believing in what, what we are doing and be- why I joined EMS because I believe in the mission and I believe that we can change the industry. We are changing the industry um, and avoiding disease, uh, or that's our goal. So first of all, surround yourself by people that think the same, and then being obsessed. Yeah, so we are obsessed in the, in spreading the word of GBT. We are obsessed in touching uh, the educational uh, industry too. Um, so. What we have today is storytelling. That's the most important, sharing. And I joined the really good period of GBT because we already had like three years of GBT behind me uh, that provided testimonials, provided um, dental cases, oral cases that uh, showed the, the benefits and the, and the change. Um, we implemented the GBT certified practice that provides a network of more than 10,000 um, dental practice worldwide that are applying GBT, through whom we have done patient questionnaires. And we saw that 98% of the patients, they uh, prefer GBT to conventional methods. But all, not only that, 98%, they would recommend GBT to friends and family. And when you have this, you, you think, okay, we are in the right track. So what we build today, and we are still building, and I think that's the strength of um, of GBT as a marketing 
brand, but also um, our strategy is uh, to build a community, to build a movement. And that's what we have today is a GBT movement. It's not just a protocol. It's not just a device that you're going to use um, to do uh, uh, the dental prophylaxis, the oral prophylaxis, or non-surgical periodontal treatment, is a true movement that puts in perspective the, um, the needs of the patient, the needs of the clinician, and provides results with minimal invasiveness uh, treatment. So um, if you ask me about what is the strategy, the strategy is to build this GBT movement even further. That sounds about right. And I can see from your backdrop that you are truly obsessed with GBT. And I think. It, yeah, yeah. It there's a lot more. of prototypes behind me. That's, <laughs> so I'm always gathering something. And uh, you can see some of the limited editions too. <laughs> so I, we know that the current climate in dentistry has changed a lot. You know, the modern patient is very different to what they used to be five years ago, 10 years ago, pre COVID, and all of that. Um, but in your opinion, what's the modern day patient looking for from a dental practice and the team and the treatment that they receive? Yeah, so we are in a society of millennials today. Let's be honest. I'm a millennial. So a millennials is not what we were used to say, the hipsters that just want to have a good cup of coffee. No, uh, the millennials, they, they build a family. They have two to three kids. And they want to enjoy experience, not to have uh, material uh, things. So in dentistry, it's exactly the same thing. So they want to have a good experience. They don't want to suffer anymore. They want to avoid disease uh, also. And we need to say thank you to COVID because uh, there was a study from Boston Consulting Group that studied six different countries what, where the, the, the people were, would spend the money after COVID. And uh, in top of the mind of the first uh, five countries they said we're gonna uh, spend money in the um, health prevention and that's we are seeing that also in dentistry so people come because they don't want to suffer they want to avoid the oral problems mm -hmm. and if they can have a dental prophylaxis every six months and not be suffering uh, with uh, uh, a tooth uh, ache or uh, uh, they need to do a, a, a root canal treatment. Um, they will do it. Uh, that's what we are seeing. And we, it was funny, the group of clinics where, um, where I was working, I'm still a good friend, talk a lot with them. They are full for the next 10 months in the dental hygiene department since after COVID. And they said, we are always hiring dental hygienists. We are closing general practice uh, rooms and open uh, dental hygiene rooms. So this this says a lot about the, the modern dentist, says a lot about the, the modern patient, what they are waiting for it. And they want um, a long-lasting partnership. It's not mm -hmm. just open the mouth, I will do the treatment, brush your teeth at home, it's done. No, it's like, uh, oh, you have this in your mouth, what are your expectations? How can I, I uh, achieve those expectations with you? So the patient is part of the treatment today. And you need to take that in consideration. I remember when I was a kid going to the dentist, the dentist just didn't talk with me. He just opened the mouth. Okay, you have this, this, you don't brush enough. Goodbye. See you in the six months. It's not the case anymore. Yeah. No, we are there as a coach, uh, as a consultant, as a partner. 
today, and we we see uh, the dental practice uh, that is surviving today, because that's the term. We have so much so so much competition today that uh, the ones that are surviving is the ones that really um, try to figure out the patient, and try to uh, answer their questions, try to answer their their needs, and if we can. We cannot achieve in the dental cleaning appointment the whiter, th that white smile that everyone wants. We need to say that. The patients will understand because yeah. they want their help too. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's just about communication and building that rapport and building yeah. a long lasting relationship. And as you said, in our practice, the hygienist is booked up for a good six months, but the dentists are not. So that just goes to yeah. show how important. Um, it is for patients and you know as a as a practice builder hygiene services I think are paramount they're key um so it's really important to be able to just maximize it and have it as best as you can to to build your practice and stand out from the crowd because as we know there is a lot of competition around um you mentioned professional prophylaxis do you think that is a, a good practice builder yeah for sure for sure, and I give you the example again from this uh, uh, group of clinics. So we had 24 clinics. I was running the prophylaxis and um, very department. At the time, their communication was always about ortho and implants. And I said, uh, I don't buy it. So we implemented GBT at the time, the practice. Uh, and interesting enough, it's like uh, in a ratio one dentist for uh, one dental hygienist, two years after the implementation of uh, uh, GBT, 30% uh, of the direct revenue was coming from the professional prophylaxis. So this is amazing, knowing that we need to have a benchmark to be in a steady and healthy business of uh, 20 to 30%. But most important, we went a little bit further. We are seeing the patients, they were coming back we were talking about the treatment plan and the patient is part of the treatment. Remember what I said? Mm -hmm. So we were discussing with them what, what kind of uh, treatments they needed or if they needed to follow the treatment plan as suggested by the dentist. And 64% of all treatments done by the dentists and specialists were provided by the dental hygiene department. So funny enough, we didn't have only one finger. We didn't have only the direct revenue. Mm -hmm. But we had the full two hands on the revenue of the, this group of clinics, yeah. oral prophylaxis and referring for treatments, ortho, um, implants, restorations, uh, you name it, we, we placed everything. And also through GBT, it was funny because we start measuring things, right? Step, uh, first step is the assessment. So we are doing periodontal charting. We implemented the protocol and 24 clinics, they start doing this periodontal charting like every single time. And we saw that we only had 16, 16% of the patients in a periodontal program. It's too low. The benchmark says that we need to have between 25 and 30, 35% of the patients. So this shows what? We weren't doing our job as we should. We weren't finding Mm -hmm. uh, disease that was present in the patient of the of the, the, the uh, in the mouth of the patients, and yeah, we weren't providing the revenue that we should to the practice. Mm -hmm. And two years after, we were at twenty nine percent of patients in a periodontal program. 
Mm-hmm. Now we were checking, finding the disease, explaining the disease and treating the disease. We were doing our job, actually, treating patient. And we were doing uh, the extra source of revenue. It's not an extra source of revenue. It's being ethical. It's doing business in an ethical way. Because what we are doing is to see what's happening and helping the patient or just avoid disease. So if you ask me, it is a practice builder, I will tell you 200%. It is the way to do practice building. It is operator rule. It's going to be the 20% to provide you the 80% of results. And we saw that. And in this group of clinics, then the communication change. Forget about the auto. Forget about the implants. The entry door, families, or prophylaxis. Yeah, and I think we discussed this on a previous episode as well with um, uh, with another speaker that actually hygienists are kind of in the practice are a gateway keeper to all the rest of the treatment that comes through. You know, patients are usually quite good with seeing the hygienist and it's usually them that pick up, well, you need this, you need to go and see the dentist. Because as we know, a lot of people are scared of the dentist. They don't necessarily feel comfortable going. But hygiene services, a lot of people are quite you know, active on going to the hygienist. It's, it might be the first thing they come to your practice for, not necessarily seeing the dentist. So I, I agree with that. I think it is a good practice builder. Um, in terms of whether it's the, we, we know that sort of these kind of treatments, prophylaxis is mainly in the realm of hygienists and therapists. Would you agree or do you think it needs to involve more of the team um, or do you think it's good as it is? No, no, no. I, I think this is teamwork, right? Uh, so what we need to do is always involve the, the dental hygiene team uh, in, in a team. It, it's going to be protocols organized between ortho and dental hygiene, uh, burial or dental hygiene, uh, surgery, dental hygiene. So we need to involve it in every single mm-hmm. protocol. That's what we were doing also in this group, and it worked quite well. I can give you the example of ortho. Um, I had an Italian <laughs> an Italian orthodontist, in, orthodontist working with, uh, with me, and he's, he was talking French with me, uh, but with this super heavy Italian accent and um, I don't know if I can swear <laughs> I, I would not <laughs> but he uh, was always saying himself so I don't work in the, a mouth full of filth and I was I completely agree with you so we developed a protocol and uh, I was sending him patients uh, because I was doing the digital scanner and saying okay there's an ortho problem sending to him the patients he's doing the the, the ortho uh, plan and then in the plan was always like start with GBT, then you you we can get the, uh, the braces on. Then every month you are coming to me, and every three months you are coming to the dental mm-hmm. gene. So every three months it was doing the the GBT treatment. Um, so it was a bundle uh, appointment, and at the end they have thirty minutes GBT. They remove the braces and thirty minutes. GBT again. Mm-hmm. So, and, and these patients, then they were coming every three or six months, even after the mm-hmm. auto treatment, because they found out, okay, this is important for my health. I need to, to apply it and, and I will continue to, to do it to avoid problems in the future. So, they need to be aware, they are the specialists. Why? Because a specialist is someone that knows everything 
about nothing. A generalist is someone that knows uh, um, nothing about everything. <laughs> so we really need to work as a team, provide uh, our, our knowledge, try to find the, the right protocol in the practice um, to have better results, but also to improve the lives uh, of, of these persons that are coming to us and looking for help. So there, it's never enough. <laughs> to answer your question, it's never enough. Yeah, it's improve. true. Do you know, any type of treatment that the patient undergoes, the foundation, the basis of it is a healthy, clean yeah. mouth and teeth and gums. Um, so I agree with that. And a lot of patients that we see for ortho, for example, with clear aligners, all of that, every time you see them for a review, it's usually, you know, a case of actually you would benefit from seeing the hygienist at this point. So it's important to tell them that at the outset and say this is actually a lifelong commitment that we need to work on your teeth and gums regularly. Exactly. Yeah. That, like think about an implant if a person is um in need of an implant what was the reason to lose the the tooth so maybe it was periodontal disease so will you place uh, an implant mm -hmm. in a periodontal mouth not really right so you yeah. need to treat the foundation first so yeah. you start with the hygiene once you have a good foundation then you can uh put the implant in the mouth of a patient but you need also to do the maintenance yeah. So it's always there in the beginning, in the middle, at the end. And that's also a thing that I learned with a, a professor of mine, Professor Karamish. And he always said, you're going to be the one that's going to be there before, during, and after the treatment. Mm -hmm. And it's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah, it's true. So for people who want to invest in this technology, and this is very close to my heart because I am setting up a practice from scratch and everything is very expensive. This is something that I've learned that dental equipment are unnecessarily sometimes super expensive. So for practices wanting to invest in this technology, because, and, and we know, you know, if you have the correct equipment, you're investing in your services, it will eventually pay off in the way of your revenue, yeah. your patient report, your satisfaction of your patients the treatments the level of treatments that you provide but would you say that in the current economic climate with everything going up and all of that it's worth for practices to invest in technologies like this yeah so why first of all dental hygiene every single patient can have a dental hygiene but not every single patient can have a normal treatment or can have an implant so it's something that you always going to use uh, second thing is it's a way to refer uh, to patients refer to you, other patients, friends and family. If you treat a the mother, they're going to bring the kids, they're going to bring the, the, the husband. So it's a practice builder by itself already. Why? Because there's a no pain system inside. And it's easy, it's comfortable. So the patient don't feel anything. Um, and it's faster too. Uh, in the example that I, I gave you from the study case before, uh, in the first year, we were already at um, 82% more in terms of revenue of dental gene. So it's not like this that you're going to have uh, with the snap of the fingers that you're going to have uh, an increase of the patient book, but it's six months after when the recall start to hit. Because mm -hmm. the patients that you treat, they book in the second appointment, they don't miss this appointment, and they will refer you to other patients. So it's always accumulating them, the patient book. Um, it is expensive. It is. In six months, I can tell you, you paid it off, counting still the salary of the dental genists, the facilities, the consumables. So mm -hmm. in six months, you, you pay the device and then all of it's going to be 
can it be profit? Um, but the most important is the way that you're going to treat your patients, minimal invasiveness, uh, that we, you will show that this is um, an advantage, a benefit for their health, and they will keep coming and bring some more people. So in the example that I told you again, 85% of the patients, they left with the second appointment and they didn't miss the second appointment. So the problem is like in one year, you need to hire a second hygienist or open a second a second uh, surgery uh, room with a, a, good problem with a new AFPM. <laughs> it's a good problem, it is, it is. So yeah, there's there's an investment in the beginning, uh, but it, it pays off in, in long term. Yeah, I agree. I think it, and for me, I think it's just about standing out from the crowd and being different because, you know, it's something like a hygiene. Every time I go for my hygiene, whenever it's been your standard regular hygiene, it's just, it's not pleasant. You know, the noise, the yeah. feeling, just all of that is not very nice. And, you know, you can appreciate why patients don't like it and why they don't like yeah. that. But so if you can invest in something that's going to make that experience better, you're going to stand out from the crowd. And it is something people talk about, you know, like you'd be surprised if they're sat there talking about whatever, they will talk about the fact that they had a clean that wasn't painful. And that in itself yeah. is a great practice builder, especially from, you know, for a new practice, um, a practice that's in a very heavily saturated area. And this is, again, close to my heart. But I think these are the things that we can do to differentiate ourselves from others and, and provide the best service that we can for patients, which ultimately should be a good practice builder. Completely. I think per day, I, I get always 10 to 20 messages of clinicians that uh, are uh, using GPT on Instagram. Uh, and they always tell me the same thing. I had this patient with a lot of sensitivity. They, she didn't feel anything. Mm. And today she's coming almost every month. <laughs> uh, so yesterday I got uh, um, a DM uh, from um, a, a Korean dental hygienist saying, okay, this changed my, my, my full practice. So wow. I, now I don't have time to do whitenings. I'm doing only... Uh, mm -hmm. GBT treatments. Uh, I got the Canadian dental genus also through a DM or on Insta saying I, I was suffering from a carpal tunnel and uh, now and for nine months I couldn't work. I came back, a colleague of mine told me about GBT. I have done the course. We had the device for uh, one week for trial. I didn't feel anything. So I, I bought the device and I'm using, I don't feel anything um so yeah it's these kind of examples that may make me smile so that's why the the gbt movement is so uh so close to my heart too um and it's nice to see this even on social media being spread yeah. uh, and having these kind of comments just make me going even further and try to help more clinicians around the world yeah and what would you say are your hopes for dental hygiene and therapy for the next few years we know that it's changed a lot in recent years even um but yeah. what are your personal hopes you know being a being a hygienist by background uh, i hope you still identify as a hygienist at heart yes always uh, always <laughs> so what are your hopes and dreams for the next few years for hygiene and therapy yeah so first of all the countries that don't have the hygienists and therapists they they need to uh to validate this this training i'm really really glad that france finally they are taking the step in that direction so and uh, closing a huge gap that is periodontal disease just for information in france 
we have normally worldwide 50% of the population with some kind of uh, gum disease. In France, it's 75%. Oh, wow. So uh, my goal uh, to develop more of this uh, the career of the dental hygienist is to, to, even, to have even more empowering uh, and uh, to fulfill a dream of mine that, yeah, you're going to tell me that it's almost impossible, but it is to avoid disease. Treating disease is already too late, in my opinion. Uh, we need to keep this in mind. Um, and we need, in the training of the dental hygienists, um, get them in relation with dentists, general dentists and specialists. And today is still too far apart, you know, so they don't um, have... Uh, um yeah common training i was lucky because when uh, when i was in the university we had classes with the future dentists and this creates synergies and mm -hmm. today is a really well demanded um profession in in portugal in my opinion due to that so i would love to see this uh, in the other countries the common um classes and training in university and have more empowering uh, towards the dental genus so we don't have all the countries that allow to have independent dental genus like the case of switzerland or the netherlands where a dental genus can open their own practice and provide only prevention treatments so that is my vision for the future let's work for it for my fellow colleagues uh, around the world so let's let's try and aim for a, a world full of well free of uh, oral disease that sounds like a good dream i'll support yeah that. it is <laughs> yeah well everything starts with a dream right so it does yeah it does <laughs> let's try thank, it out thank you so much Celso, for joining me today it's so it's so clear to see your passion for the system and i'm glad that we could have you on today to talk about it thank you so much for everything that you're doing and i really do thank hope you for the invite thank you yeah yeah for sure so thank you it was a pleasure to uh to be present here I really hope you've enjoyed this episode and hopefully learned a few things. I know I certainly did. And as always, don't forget to let me know what you thought of this episode. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Dr. Shadi Manicherry. I always love hearing your responses. And if you have any requests for future podcast episodes, please let me know there. I do usually listen if there are specific requests that are quite popular. As always, there will be a new episode every week. So please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode. And I can't wait to speak to you soon.